Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we're talking esports, Battle Royale gaming, and Fortnite system builds. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have a special guest, Pat, from Crucial and Ballistics. We're going to try a little something different on the podcast this time around. We have an interview with a special guest, Pat from Crucial slash Ballistics. So before we start, is it Crucial or is it Ballistics? It's a little bit of both. Uh, we are, Micron is owners of both Crucial and Ballistics. Mm-hmm. They are two separate brands. Ballistics focused around the gaming audience and Crucial focused more around the general user, but in particular, very high performance SSDs where Ballistics currently is only DRAM. As you've heard, that's Pat. Could you go ahead and give us a brief introduction and uh, tell us about yourself? Absolutely. It's nice to meet you, everyone. I'm Pat Soulier. Some people know me by my gamer tag, ESV Diamond. I am the global gaming and esports marketing manager for Ballistics and Crucial and Micron as a whole. I've been involved in esports for 10 years now, uh, full time for at least eight of those. And esports is something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's my favorite thing to do personally. So when I first found the industry, I, I knew I had to get involved. Since then, I've worked in quite a few different games, StarCraft II, League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm, uh, and quite a few other games like CSGO. I've done quite a few things. I won't uh, bog down the podcast with my full intro list, but I've, you know, I've worked with teams and players and organizers from all across the world from events that are small online tournaments to the multi-million dollar LAN events. Wow, that's quite a big list, even with the abrupt version that you gave us there. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I've been in it since, not, I can't say since the start, but since really the rise of the modern eSport, along with Twitch TV and live streaming as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the first, I believe, 100 partners on Twitch TV, and that's, in fact, back when it was just in TV gaming section. My partner contract is still with Justin TV Gaming Section. In fact, it's been around so long. Wow, that's I was doing um, live stream that that service when I was doing overclocking out of the garage here. So I'd be pouring liquid nitrogen and trying to break records on uh, hardware bot. It's kind of fun. Yeah, actually, uh, real quick, just on that note, live. I used to actually, and that's where I started was Livestream.com. And a funny story is. Uh, we ran into an issue and had to leave Livestream.com. It was me at the time, Day9 TV, and a old service called GLHF TV. And we would get so many viewers, and they were so unprepared that every time one of us would go live, it would crash the entire website. I would believe it. The hardware bot community went away from that as well. The, the part that I really liked, though, was that they gave you that interface that you could, you know, it's just a flash plug-in, so to speak. And you just say, hey, there's my camera, here's my microphone, and away you go. Livestream.com may go down as like one of the biggest missed opportunities in gaming as a whole. They could have controlled everything, but they were, you know, slow to market and slow to customize to gamers, which if you talk to gamers, that's what they care about. They want their own products. They want their own services. They don't want what everybody else uses. So uh, it's too bad they missed opportunity, but it did give us Twitch TV, which has been a enormously beneficial product to the gaming community as a whole. Yeah, definitely. We already talked about Crucial and Ballistics and what they focus on. When I started doing hardware reviews, it was uh, Crucial by by Micron. And then Ballistics was just kind of a brand that Crucial had announced. How long ago was it that Ballistics kind of split off to become its own brand? 
Sure, that was almost three years ago now. Uh, time flies. And when looking at the gaming market, we said, hey, this ballistics brand is perfectly situated to address this market. Uh, it's a good brand with a lot of customer you know, happiness. A lot of people have used the ballistics brand. It's been available for over a decade and know what it is. And it was ready really for it to stand on its own two legs. Previously, the gaming market was not really in a position to support uh, you know, all these standalone brands, but now it really is. Believe it or not, my first exposure to ballistics was with the old Tracer DDR memory. And at the time, there was only two companies that were doing LEDs across the top, and that was Corsair and Crucial. As time went on, the memory technologies changed to the point where you couldn't do activity lights, and Corsair just kind of dropped out. But humbled to see that Crucial has kept with it and now has one of the better implementations on the market. Yeah, you know, the DDR3 uh, Tactical Tracer is a little before my time working with them, but of course, as a IT guy and hardware enthusiast, I was very aware of it. Um, it's a great product that was really, it seems like, ahead of its time as far as the customization options and how it could flash faster when you use system resources. As the products evolved, obviously, came along our DDR4 Tactical Tracer, which really offers a unique uh, feature in this customizable light bar. We've actually sent out a number of customized light bars to our pro gamers with their gamer tag on it and team logo. And they're so popular that when a new player joins a team, they see the other player's custom RAM. Yeah. And I get an email the next day, hey, how do uh, we need to get one for this player? He wants one. You have been involved with esports for quite a while. What are your thoughts on general LAN parties in this connected world? You know, because now it's basically it's all online. You know, you sit at your console or you sit at your PC and play, you know, PUBG or CSGO. And you don't do that locally anymore. So I think the very interesting thing with LAN parties is they offer a level of interactivity and engagement that you can't get anywhere else. Obviously, nowadays with how hardware is improved and Internet's improved, the benefits of LAN latency aren't necessarily a major reason to host them. But you can't get the same level of interaction. I love going to LAN parties and being able to make a big play. And I look over at my friend that's one seat down and we're like high-fiving and laughing and having a good time. Or, hey, I did something really cool they didn't see in the game when it's all done. I Come over here. Walk over to my monitor real quick and look at this. Gaming's, you know, uh, a thing that a lot of people are very passionate for. And there's a lot of people that just game the game. My mom's a gamer. She plays Candy Crush all the time, but she's not a passionate gamer. I can't speak to her the same way I can speak to somebody at a LAN party. So a LAN party gives you a way to have a bunch of people where you know these people all have the same passion as me and are just as interested in video games as I am. And it creates a very social experience in a group of individuals who are normally, I don't want to say socially awkward, but games are very, for the most of their life, have been a very much single-person experience until recently. So... Uh, it allows everybody to come together. So I think lands for the foreseeable future will definitely be important. You know, when we get to like the Star Trek, like uh, Star Wars level holograms, maybe not, maybe it won't be quite as cool, but I think we're a little ways off from that, from that so we should be safe. Yeah, it's not like uh, Ready Player One where you have a big connected virtual world and that's how everybody interacts. It's, uh, it's still a very social thing, like you had mentioned. The problem, though, is that it's difficult to put a large land together that's more than, you know, five or six people. You know, back in the day, five or six people is really, that was your center of friends. Those were the people that you knew. And so it was easy for that. But to get 
the social interaction that you're expecting from a multiplayer game in a LAN environment, you have to get up close to 80 to 100 people, which is kind of difficult these days. Yeah, that's always going to be the struggle of it. You have to have enough people to make the LAN compelling. But I know plenty of LAN parties where it's like 10, 10 friends. We used to have those actually when I first moved here and started with Micron and Ballistics. Um, we would have a few people from work, and one of the guys would bring over his sons, and we would only have eight or nine people. We had a really good time. We'd eat pizza, buy a whole bunch of junk food, stay up till four in the morning. It was a good time. So I think you're going to, while yes, it's hard to put together a larger scale land, the beauty of lands is they can be any size. You can have two people and have a land party. Uh, it's just not a big land party, right? No, but it's getting together and it's a zero latency stuff. You can share your screen. It's kind of fun. There's nothing quite like it. I, um, you know, I always I was actually talking about this on Reddit the other day. I would back when I played League of Legends predominantly, I would set the draft music to be the same as the LCS professional circuit. And it was just sort of fun. And it was but when I got together with five people and we were all playing like right in a line and that music would kick in and like I could look over at them, it actually sort of felt like a mini LCS experience in a way. Oh wow, that'd be cool. As I've already mentioned, I've been in hardware world for a really long time building pcs offering up build advice for people you know i review hardware so they say hey hey, if i want to use this motherboard what can i get out of you know overclocking or will it work well for my game and i believe you wanted to talk about some specific build considerations related to one of the most popular games on the planet right now which is fortnite so i'm sure that fortnite needs no introduction but for the sake of argument let's talk about it. what is fortnite so Fortnite is part of an up-and-coming genre within video games called Battle Royale. Um, these are games where you drop a set number of players, it's normally 100 players, onto an island, and they start with only just the basics, whether it's their hands and fists or a pickaxe or, you know, things like that. Um, it just starts you with the basics, and you must go around the island, scavenge, find items, find guns, find weapons, and your only goal is to survive and be the last man standing. It's very similar to the movie The Hunger Games in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, that was the first thing I was going to. Yep, and it's really a style of game that several years ago would not have been possible because to get 100 people in a high, uh, a low-ping, high-skill shooter arena would have just been too much for any network connection to handle or PC. Oh, yeah. Well, even uh, Unreal Tournament 3, you know, they opened it up to 60 players on a map. And if you had more than 10 people in the same region, you would have packet loss and it just was unplayable. Yep. In fact, this, I used to play a lot of Unreal, and I remember Battlefield 1942. And while those games at the time, considering the resources they had, did a tremendous job, it was when there got to be too many people on the server, you noticed. Like, oh, boy, this is not good. Yeah, and then you just skip it and go find one with a lower ping, which might only have five people on it. It's crazy. So what makes Fortnite special over a game like PUBG or CSGO? Fortnite's really managed to capture a diverse audience. Um, and it's if you look at gaming as a whole, it is the predominant demographic is 18 to 35-year-old males. That's not a surprise to everybody, uh, anybody. That's pretty well known. What Fortnite has managed to do is grab the attention of the younger crowd as well. And mm -hmm. some of the older crowd, particularly the people that are parents and want to play games with their kids, Fortnite has really become, especially in the U.S., a very big cultural thing. Everybody is playing Fortnite. Uh, it's all I hear about when I tell people I'm in gaming is, oh, so like Fortnite and stuff. I'm, yeah, that's a part of it. 
Mm-hmm. I think Fortnite's done a really good job um, making sure to keep the game feel fresh, despite it being largely, you know, based around one map. And that they have all these crazy events that happen, like when they brought Thanos in for Avengers Infinity War, or they had the big anti-gravity cube recently that was randomly crossing the map. Yep. Uh, it's oh, really... Yeah, there was, a, if I remember correctly, there was also a rocket launch. Somebody was kind of trolling them and basically got the highest kill-to-death ratio by uh, collapsing a stadium that everybody had built to go watch the rocket launch <laughs> that sounds like people on there and uh i think i heard about that as well yeah and it's those type of events right it's fortnite has become unique because it's not about just winning or losing aside for the pro players uh for it's about an experience and i think that's really what's interesting with the battle royale genre is if i play a game of starcraft 2 and i lose i probably didn't have a good time In fact, I almost never had a good time. Maybe one out of every hundred losses, I'm like, yeah, that was a quality game. Um, I play Heroes of the Storm a lot, a MOBA, 5v5 MOBA. There's very rarely I lose a game and I'm like, wow, that was a great, fun game. I might be like, that was a good game, but it wasn't fun. Nobody likes losing. Right. The Battle Royale genre has done an incredible job of making fun experiences win or lose. Uh, I played a lot of PUBG in particular uh, up until recently, up until Fortnite came out. And there was games where we would end up like 60th place, like should be furious. I should be angry. I'm a very competitive gamer. I don't like losing, but we had some crazy nonsense happen and it was ended up being a blast. And we walked away laughing and could not wait to queue up uh, into the next game. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really some of the many things that Fortnite has done an incredible job with. Right. Well, and I had mentioned uh, CSGO, which I want to say is probably the first Battle Royale game, but it was team-based. So if your team won, then, of course, your side won. But a lot of the games I played, uh, old classic CS, it was on a LAN party. So there was eight of my friends in a garage who were all playing and drinking and stuff like that and having a great time. But you could watch as everybody get picked off, so you'd go and follow you know, the last person around. And there might be two people left on the map. And it was a battle to see who would get that last shot. And, you know, it was actually really good fun, but it kind of led its way to being this massive multiplayer thing, which is PUBG and Fortnite. Sure, absolutely. And CSGO is a very important game, you know, for any uh, talking about the shooter genre. I think CSGO, uh, if it was released as a brand new game today, and of course they updated the client and stuff a little bit better, I think it would be a bigger hit than it is now. And I still just one of the biggest games in the world, bar none. But at this point, Counter-Strike's what, like 15, 18 years old or something? Yeah, it's There's a oil. lot of people that played it that just don't care about it anymore. Also, you know, I found talking to a lot of my friends in the new Call of Duty generation, um, you know, of shooters, they don't like waiting around when they die. They think that is the stupidest design ever. They don't get it. They want to jump back into action. Mm-hmm. And with Battle Royales, once you're dead, you're ready to go to the next game. You don't got to wait for the game to finish. You don't got to wait for them to push down your nexus. You can just go, quit, on to the next. Mm-hmm. So you can have that almost nonstop back-to-back action. Esports is often associated with a large competitive team tournaments with big cash prizes. That's the popular one, right? Do you feel that Fortnite could ever reach that kind of a level? I mean, speaking from a prize pool perspective, Fortnite's going to have the largest prize pool of any sport in the next calendar year with their $100 million uh, prize pool esports plan. Mm -hmm. I think Fortnite's got a couple constraints that are going to be make or break for it as an esport. 
the first one is finding a consistency. This is something that's plagued Hearthstone in particular. People like guys that win a lot. People love the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, Manning's, the Michael Jordan's, the Tiger Woods. They love the best of the best. And in a game like a Battle Royale, I don't want to say it's not possible to consistently win, but it's very, very hard. If you run a pro tournament with 100 pro players and you run the same tournament 10 times, like in alternate universes, you're probably going to have 10 different winners in the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of variation just because of where you land, who you land against, um, you know, who actually gets picked off first and who happens to just be camping out in behind a mountain or something like that. There's a lot of different variables that are not necessarily very competitive. Yeah, and that's what's actually surprised me that it's took off as an esport because that's for, uh, you know, predominantly in the past would have prevented a esport from taking off. However, I think that the randomness can sometimes be fun, and uh, I'm not a big Hearthstone fan, uh, but I will admit there's some their design philosophy on the RNG making some really cool like wild moments. I've seen those and played those myself where. You're like, only if this thing RNGs these specific cards in this specific order can I win. And it happens. And you're like, oh, my God, and you're freaking out. And <laughs> so Fortnite does have that aspect of it, and so do all Battle Royales. Uh, I think the other problem you know, is going to be finding a model that works for the teams themselves, the organizations like the Team Liquids, the Cloud9s. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Fortnite's very player centric. It's about the players, Ninja, Dr. Disrespect, uh, you know, anybody like that. The, plays a lot of Fortnite, and there's got to be a way to make it worth it for the teams they need to be able to make a return on investment and we're in an esports era right now where with the amount of money being thrown around you can no longer say exposure only is what you get there's got to be some actual meat behind that some cash you see you know almost all games will have team items you can buy in game whether it's branded trinkets or special mounts or whatever and that brings revenue to the teams. As far as I know, the Battle Royale genre hasn't really figured that out. And I think a teams only benefit the esports scene because they greatly extend the reach and possible people it can hit. When you're looking at a total market, you're going to be able to address, address significantly more people with a team than you can as an individual. Even a guy like Ninja. Uh, Ninja's got amazing reach. He's got a bigger following than any esports team. If you put him on Team Solo Mid or Cloud9 or Team Liquid, he would gain a lot of new fans really quick. And sure, it wouldn't be like night and day difference for him, but it's more possible people to talk to. It's more possible people to receive revenue from. It's just more opportunities. I'm really big on opportunities. Oh, well, that's what everybody needs. I mean, the even in the the YouTube world where you release a video and you wanted to get it out to as many people as possible, it's still based off of who you are and how long you've been around and how you fit in the algorithm. And sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes it's perseverance staying in it. And um, the more exposure is always better. It doesn't even matter if it's good exposure in some cases. That was actually, I used to do uh, an MMA podcast back in the day before I got into esports. And it's funny, when I started that, I thought... None of these UFC fighters want to talk to me. I'm only, you know, at this point getting a couple thousand hits a day. Uh, I'm not offering. I'm no ESPN or anything. Mm -hmm. And I reach out to a bunch of pro fighter managers, and every single one of them is like, my fighters are interested. You tell me who you want. I'll make sure they're there. 
And I couldn't figure out why at first. I was a lot younger back then. I'm like 18 at this point. <laughs> uh, and then it slowly dawned on me. Any exposure is good exposure as long as it's not like a horrendously negative story, right? As long as it's not somebody trying to ambush the interviewee. Exposure is exposure. Mm -hmm. It's basic, basic marketing 101. Fortnite will run on a variety of different hardware due to the Unreal 4 engine. I mean, this will run on a, like a console, it'll run on a handheld, it'll run on a PC. Why is the PC the best platform for Fortnite? And you're right. Uh, Fortnite will absolutely run on a wide number of platforms. You run on your phone, and that's incredible, by the way. Uh, kudos to Epic on making an actual phone port. That's the full game. When looking at why PC over, say, an Xbox or your phone, there's a few reasons. The first and most important is the mouse and keyboard are the best controllers ever created for video games. There's nothing even close to it. Totally you agree. The a number of keys you can press and the speed you can access a wide number of keys outweighs any controller that exists, period. Uh, even trackballs or anything like crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So when you, you want to play the best, you need the best tools to do so. And a mouse and keyboard is, will do that. You will find very, very few instances where a player on a console, two evenly matched players, one on a console, one on a PC, that the console player will win. Uh, getting off just the, hey, the mouse and keyboard, because that's sort of, I think, the easy answer there. Mm -hmm. PC is a lot more customizable, but it has a lot more upward scalability and an affordable cost. And a great example of this is a 144 hertz monitor. I recently upgraded to 144 hertz monitor. It is a big deal. It's a significant difference. Um, and if you're looking to win and you're looking to be the best and you're looking maybe even to go pro eventually... You need every advantage you can get, and having a faster refresh rate monitor is a very big advantage. When you look at playing it on a console on your TV, uh, your most TVs are 60 hertz, so around 60 frames a second. Mm -hmm. Once in a blue moon, you might get higher than that, but you'll almost never find 144 hertz TVs or 240 hertz TVs outside of the uh, Angel Halo products, where it's like, you know, the $40,000 TVs that they show off at CES that nobody will ever buy. <laughs> well, they do have the 120 hertz ones, which are cinematic and sometimes interpolated. But uh, also, if you're playing on a console that's hooked up to a television, the hardware is a bit limited as well. So how can someone ensure their PC is ready for Fortnite from like a hardware standpoint? Of course, always go look at the game's recommended specifications. Uh, they do... It seems a lot of times like people just throw it out or companies just throw it out there. But I know from experience that there's a lot of testing that goes into the minimum and recommended specs. Mm -hmm. So if you meet the recommended specs, you should be in all right shape. There's a few key things with Fortnite in particular. Uh, it is very graphics card dependent. So you want to make sure you have an acceptable graphics card. The good news for you, you're just building your PC up for Fortnite. It is a good time to be buying video cards. The crypto mining uh, plague that has made video cards shoot up in price has ended. And additionally, we are about to enter the next year's technology as far as graphics cards. So the current graphics cards, which have been the same price for almost two years now, are finally going down in price. So make sure you scoop up a good graphics card. Uh, I'm an NVIDIA fan myself, although AMD makes great products as well. So if you can get a 1070 uh, Ti or a 1080 or Heck, even a 980 at this point would still handle something like Fortnite. Make sure you have a good graphics card. You don't need to go all out. You're going to be tempted to buy the $1,200 uh, 2080 Ti 
if all you're playing is Fortnite, you don't quite need that. Well, no, and some of that depends on what kind of monitor you have. You know, if you have a standard 1080p monitor, you can put in a 1080 tie, and it's going to be kind of a bit overkill. You're going to get a lot of frames per second, but you're not going to see the realization of that in a lot of cases. Absolutely. So you got to look at the hardware you have. If you have a 4K 240Hz monitor, I don't think those exist, but let's say they do for argument's sake, you're going to want a 1080 Ti. You might even need SLI uh, multiple cards together. Yeah, 4K. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. 4K actually works best with uh, two cards. Um, You can do it on a single, but it's not. The gaming experience is kind of hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, I personally have not found 4K to be that big a deal when it comes to gaming. Uh, It's mostly, I notice the difference on the bigger screens, your televisions, your 65 inch, 70 inch TVs. Um, So you're going to have to look at the hardware. And then also make sure you have all the other supporting parts. You don't need the highest-end processor out there. You don't need to go buy an i9 or a Threadripper, although those are really cool. Uh, You don't need to go buy the best of the best. Make sure you have a decent processor. Uh, From my understanding, an i5, a good i5 will work. I probably would say go to like an i7 or a Ryzen-style chip. Make sure you have a great SSD. This is something people overlook a lot. A lot of times people will lag in game and think it's their internet, when in fact it's their hard drive seeking the data that they need to find to load that next frame or two. And I have died countless times due to hard drive seeking. Uh, Make sure and get an SSD at this point. If you don't have one, I'm not sure why. There's SSDs out there starting at $30, roughly $30, $40, like our Crucial BX500. Mm -hmm. There's even higher-end ones like the Crucial MX500. And you're still only talking, you know, a hundred to two hundred dollar upgrade for a decent capacity. Make sure and get an SSD. If you have a good graphics card, a good processor, and a hard drive, a platter drive, you have built your computer basically incorrectly in a way. SSDs are the way to go. If you need mass storage options, maybe you do a platter drive as a secondary, but you should be playing off an SSD. And me being the ballistics guy, I gotta say, make sure your RAM's up to date and good to go. RAM speed is proving to be more and more important over the last couple of years for a lot of games. In particular with PUBG, if you're a PUBG player, we have seen a marked difference between different RAM clock speeds and capacities with that game in particular. And I still think you would feel the difference even in Fortnite. Of course, also being the ballistics guy, I got way too much RAM in mind, so I don't know. Uh, When I play Fortnite, it's good to go. I got enough RAM. So make sure you got enough RAM. Make sure you got an SSD. Make sure you got a good graphics cards. I think those are really the three important things you're looking at for Fortnite performance. Well, you've talked about a lot of what you need to have in a PC, and I would fully agree. You know, SSD is the way to go. Probably 16 gigs of RAM is probably the minimum for a lot of online gaming, regardless of what kind of CPU you have. But do you have any build recommendations for a, you know, just a basic Fortnite machine? Sure. I think if you're a first-time computer builder, you're looking just to get the basic system that will handle Fortnite, handle everything you throw at it, take a look at the ASUS Tough Gaming Alliance. That's from the motherboard manufacturer ASUS. And they made this really cool thing, uh, their Tough Gaming Alliance, where it is a set of manufacturers that came together and are working together to make parts that are always compatible with each other and are great for entry-level PCs. In particular, we have our Ballistic Sport AT that is part of the Tough Alliance. 
if you go in there and you buy a parts list straight off the Tough Alliance, it's going to work together. And more importantly, it's all a unified color scheme. It's going to look good together as well. I really am excited what they're doing over there with uh, the Tough Alliance at Azus, and I would definitely recommend checking them out and checking out the Ballistics, Ballistics Sport LT. Yeah, and believe it or not, I reviewed a set of that memory on a Tough Alliance motherboard, and I want to say that from a color scheme standpoint, they look like they came from the same company. I mean, they are that good. One of our DRAM uh, marketing managers has a full Tough Alliance PC at his desk. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm only I'm only bummed because I'm a super high-end user that wants all the crazy max out everything. So it's a little bit of an underkill for that. Uh, but I imagine over time they'll probably expand it and offer more options. But for right now, if you're looking for the best value for your money, dollar for dollar, the Zeus Tough Gaming Alliance and Ballistic Sport LT will do you well. Well, thanks a lot, Pat, for being on the podcast and explaining a bit about Fortnite and, you know, give us a little bit of background into your esports ability. If we were looking for Ballistics and Crucial online, how would we find you? It's a great question. There's a lot of ways to find us online. Uh, if you look on almost any social media network, it is Ballistics Gaming. So Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. If you're looking for Crucial, they're all Crucial Memory. Of course, you can Google any of those. Our websites are ballisticsgaming.com and crucial.com. Other than that, uh, I just want everybody to know we're gamers here at Ballistics. We listen to you guys. We're watching Twitch streams like you guys. We're playing the same games you guys are. So we're always looking out for you. We are gamers. And, you know, when we have a hashtag of built to win, we take that quite seriously. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. And I hope to see you out there. Same to you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you and then hope to join again soon. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.